Hello, everybody, and welcome to another week of the Map 5 podcast. I forget exactly what episode we're on, but we are going strong, and we're here with all the latest news from Tier 2 and beyond. And today we are very lucky to be joined by a guest, and that's Pummy from GeForce, fresh off the back of their meteoric rise at the top of the Tier 3, Tier 2 scene. Pummy, welcome to the podcast. Why don't you tell us and everyone out there a little bit about yourself? Hello, I'm Pummy. I play DPS for GeForce, most recently winning uh, Open Division in North America. Claps, claps. Yeah, claps all around. Yeah, really, really good stuff. Uh, on uh, the, the back of a long run of victories for GeForce, which we'll get into a little bit later. First off, let's have a dive into the news from Tier 2 and beyond this week. Indeed. Oh, we're just wasting no time. We should get right into this thing. It's nope, episode 14, in. by the way. We've made it 14. I'm very I'm very happy about that. I'm very proud of it. That's us. two weeks of episodes. It's two weeks of episodes. Don't count all the fucking bricks that we had. Anyway, so we're going to start off with some Path to Pro news. Uh, basically, teasing news. It's not in itself news. It's that it's news on, about news. It's news about news. I'm afraid so. Um, so they're updating us on what we can expect from Summer Series on 621. So that is Tuesday, if my math is correct here i can check a calendar i promise as, as that, a, that is a tuesday i was trying to figure out where the 21st month was no, uh, yeah no no that's uh, oh, oh. oh my goodness uh that, that's the 21st much. day of june uh Great, thank you. For, for those <laughs> for those eu friends out there who might be confused uh but yes that is in four days we'll get some updates on that um but this kind of brings up some general points on the, the path to pro format as a whole mm-hmm. Ooh, where do we want to start? Do we want to start with like a little bit of an overview of the actual format, and then we can maybe start yeah. with talking about some of the issues that we come across with OD and the actual Contender Summer Series itself, uh, um, just a couple of issues that have come to light. Uh, let, let's just start off with what the actual premise is. So we have the Contender Summer Series, which is 64 teams uh, playing in, a, I believe it's a single elimination bracket, to get to the top eight. The top eight then will play a double elimination playoff format that you're all used to for contenders. Uh, to qualify for the the 64 teams, the top 32 from OD, the eight from contenders last time around, and we're not quite sure where the other 24 spots go. That seems like a pretty good summary. I, I think that we, we've sort of thrown this into a roundtable format because, Pummy, I think you have some specific insights on this coming from... Uh, winning OD. Yeah, so all we were told is that um, the 32 Open Division teams would be seeded according to how we place an Open Division, and then the okay. remaining uh, spots to fill out the 64 teams would be Open Sign-Up, First Come, First Serve. I'm not too sure Guys, about get that. Ready. Casters, let's go. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so top, top eight is contenders. The next 32 are Open Division. That leaves, what, 14 slots that are First Come, First Serve. That's yep. a really I, weird I think. way to do it, right? Yeah, but I, I don't know how they make a 40-team bracket without giving like the top half buys first round. It still seems odd to... I mean, you have this massive month-long tournament of 130 teams that is an open format, hence how Open Division's always played out, only to have Summer Series, which is this kind of almost invite but slash open tournament... Uh, that's still you can just sign up and go to. So like you know we've we've joked around that you know we're gonna form a caster team and come in. We're gonna we're gonna challenge GeForce. That's what you're gonna have. That's what Pega casters coming in. You better watch out, Pummy. We're coming for you. Uh, but I mean sincerely though, it it does seem kind of odd to have an open format for both tournaments. 
Yeah, I, I my personal feeling is that like the reason things are so scuffed is that like up until fairly recently, I don't think anybody in the like the group of people who make decisions about Path to Pro really knew what game, what version of the game, whether that would be beta, whether we would be in alpha still, whether we would have um, the, the the OPR or um, like to compete on. And so they've had to make some guesses and like the result of those guesses is a slightly weird format. My hope is that like, okay, we'll have this one weird open division and summer circuit. And then like once the game is actually properly launched, we can have like the winter circuit or the fall circuit or whatever it is we get. Hopefully things are a little more streamlined, but it's a, it's a long time to ask players to wait to get stuff fixed. Yeah, especially for the players. Um, this tournament's going on right in the middle of summer, which is usually the break for schools. Mm-hmm. And we still don't have official date yet, dates yet. And usually summer's when people go out of town and stuff. So I don't know what the tournament will look like, how many teams are going to drop out or be missing players, but... It's really alarming that we're a few weeks out from it and we know nothing about it. Yeah. Well, uh, we'll we'll get a chance to delve in more of, of your yeah. your particular player point of view on all this uh, once we get into the main body topic of this podcast. But uh, let's keep going through. More. What's that? There's still more, unfortunately. Uh, oh, okay. On this topic. There's still there's still quite a lot more to delve into. So, as we recall, when this open division was announced, we had. Um, uh, we had the the whole incentive of you know you're gonna go and get beta access if you get top 32 in open division and everyone suspected that would be after the tournament ended uh, unfortunately it seems that it's gonna be that everyone just gets guaranteed access as the next beta begins which is june 28th uh, which you know um kind of puts a lot of teams at a disadvantage considering we already know that certain teams uh, are already um they're already sitting uh, at a stage where they've been playing Overwatch 2 on the OPR for for about a month or so now, and it just puts these Tier 3 teams coming in at a little bit of a disadvantage. Yeah, so us on GeForce, we don't have OPR accounts, we don't have loaner accounts, so whatever scrum we get are with other Tier 2 teams, and they have to give us their OPR accounts, which is a pro realm, uh, to scrim them on. Otherwise, we can't play the game we're going to play the tournament on. And these there's only eight contenders teams. Um, let's just say, for example, the top four are scrimming out, bottom four are scrimming tier three. Uh, that's the easiest way. So you're looking at GeForce has three blocks a week with contenders teams. Uh, that That's six hours compared to what we were doing in Overwatch 1 to prepare for OD, which was closer like 15 to 20 hours a week. And our tanks can only get half of that playtime at best. So each of our tanks is looking at three hours of practice a week. Yeah, that's a really rough situation uh, as alongside yeah. the difficulty of, like, I'm guessing you pick up someone else's uh, OPR account, you've then got to go in and reconfigure all your settings and your sensitivities and everything. So, like, that probably takes time out of your scrim block as it is anyway. Like, it's just uh, it's so far from ideal. Yeah, I'll add on to that by saying, for example, yesterday... Um, if, an, if a contender's team is doing a 6 to 8 and then an 8 to 10 block, if we're doing the 8 to 10 block, we can't log onto those accounts till the 6 to 8 is over, which means we can't start setting up our settings wow. till the team before us is done using them. So it, it's a it's a big mess. I mean, what a mountain to climb. I mean, coming from your position, where you're, you're expected to go in and be competitive uh, against the, the 8 contenders teams who are returning from last year who have the OPR access. Uh, I mean, that's, that is is quite a deficit to overcome. I mean, I feel like the tank roll is the one that's going to require a, 
perhaps the most adjustment um, to your play style and, and what you can get away with and kind of testing limits and figuring out how to make that work. Three hours per tank per week seems just uh, like, a, like a microscopic amount. Like it seems nowhere near enough. So uh, I certainly don't envy that position. Uh, and uh, we'll, we'll, I think we'll try to highlight that, that story point, hopefully come broadcast time, because I feel like that is quite the narrative. I mean, you're, you're, you're definitely playing with one hand tied behind your back. It seems like. Yeah. And especially in Overwatch one, you at least had ranked or even quick player custom games to practice on. Um, our tanks are learning the new role. They're learning all new heroes basically. Yeah. And they're expected to, to perform even on new maps, like, uh, GeForce has been running what seemingly like random comps just because of the tank we have in. And a lot of times we aren't leading the lobbies and we don't even know what to run. Mm. So we're already being put at a disadvantage because we're trying to figure out what to run. Other teams already have a set style and we're playing catch up. Yeah, I'd be interested to know, um, this is maybe tangential to the point, but like what, what the GeForce style looks like in overwatch 2 but we can get to that a little later in the broadcast because i mean like one of the one of the reasons you guys have been so fun to watch uh, in recent recent months is the fact that like what you're running is quite a quite a dynamic quite a fun composition to watch and i wonder how well some of that translates to overwatch 2, or even if you really had enough time in scrims to figure that out yet which it sounds like you might not have had yet yeah so on the most recent patch we've only had a few blocks to scrim um, I think we're seeing an owl that ball's coming back a little bit more, mm-hmm. um, but we're seeing like a whole lot of off tank, and because most of us have a bigger hero pool than what we reflect in most of our G Force matches, we're able to uh, to play a lot more comps when we put our off tank in because uh, just just the nature of Overwatch and how off tank controls the dynamic of a comp. Mm. Oh, I, uh, I can't wait to, to, to kind of talk about the uniqueness that is that is G Force because the the dynamic between uh, Strider and anyhow, I think is is quite awesome, and one of the reasons y'all have been so strong and so hard to take down. Uh, but I am going to drag us kicking and screaming through the rest of our news, so we can get into the the real meat of this podcast here in a little bit. Uh, so I'm gonna go ahead and push us forward and uh, move on to some some roster announcements that came out this week. Uh, starting over in Korea, we had, which is wonderful news. It's been a little doomy here on this podcast when talking about Korean contenders as of late, really just the entire APAC region, but we have an O2 blast roster announcement, uh, looking good. Caffeine and Babel are the most recent additions to this roster. Just got picked up. Uh, what, what are thoughts? Uh, ocean. I mean, is our uh, <laughs> Korean oh, contenders enthusiast? Come on, give, uh, give me some feedback, my friend. What you think? Uh, you know, uh, this isn't like the extent of what OT Blast has. They also have like an academy roster. There's there's mm-hmm. some really talented players. I mean, I'm, I mean, the Titan Clan. You know, we know how good Jimbin is. We know how good Max is, and we know how good Heesang is on the DPS role. Those three players instantly make you a top team in Korea and even the world, really. Um, I am a big fan of you know some of their other DPS. I don't know who's gonna play the most. I've seen some Viper clips, right? I'll tell you what, he's good. I'll tell you, he's good. Uh, I don't know if he'll start. I don't know how flexible they are. As I said, I've only seen a couple of clips of the other three. Uh, so I can't tell you how good they're going to be. But I can tell you O2 Blast are really good at scouting. So I'd assume they'll be decent. Um, some little notes about this roster is you'll see that Spectra isn't there. Um, went on loan to another team that we'll talk about later. 
Uh, Aiden, who was there for a short piece of time, is is no longer there as well. Uh, so we've got Bliss and Babel as well, and Babel is moving over from Flex DPS to Flex Support. Hmm. Well, um... yeah, I, I I hadn't caught that bit of the move actually, but yeah, that's um, mm -hmm. that's unusual. I, I wonder what's prompted that. Well, a lot of Flex DPS players should be doing that, so it's interesting. Okay, fine. Uh, and speaking <laughs> of moves, that's the best I've got. Uh, I mean, speaking of moves, okay, you're talking about Spectra. This leads nicely into our next roster reveal. What do we got, Ocean? Oh, oh we're going to Panthera. Um, so this is not necessarily, you know, the you know the Kongzu Panthera that you'll have noticed before. Um, there are some toys, but we'll we'll talk about that in a second. Let's talk about the players in the roster. Hidden and Spectra on the DPS line. That excites me. That really, really does. Hidden was playing really, really well towards the end of last season of KR Contenders, and Spectra, we already know, is a very, very talented player. Vulture's a good player as well. And when I say good player, I mean top four Korean Contenders level. Oh, right. Um, that, that's what I think with those three. Uh, the rest, the others are good players, good solid players, and deserve to be in Korean Contenders. Do I think they're top level players? They're pretty good, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't say top four, because top four KR Contenders is really high. Um, so I, I don't think I want to say that. But I want, before I move on, to, actually, let's move on to the staff. So in the staff, you will see uh, this this Panfero organization is ran by Reiser, um, who um, used to uh, be a head coach for Florida Mayhem back in Overwatch League, but uh, previously played on a roster in Overwatch, a very famous one called Kongdu Panfero, which, of course, was operated by Cloud9 at the time. Uh, it is now, of course, not operated by Cloud9, and he uh, started Panfero. Uh, the organization in Korea, and this is where they got the name from. So it's technically an iconic name in Overwatch coming back. Protect is also on this roster as a playing coach, so able to play the off tank on this roster if needed, and also um, bringing some of their experience into the coaching staff. But I want to shout out one person on this roster because I've worked with them. They're excellent. I have to. Justice, sir. I only said from the moment I first worked with this guy, he should be managing an Overwatch lead team. Because he was managing a lot, of, coordinating a bunch of English stuff for us, Korean content. He uh, was like, getting people the photo shoots in like four days because yeah. we had an absolute mess with Blizzard where we had to, unfortunately, um, unfortunate circumstances where we had to basically have four days to get everyone signed up and ready for contenders from trials and also get them photo shoots and stuff and justice hard carried that man so well organized so young brilliant in both languages a pleasure to talk to a passionate individual very very good manager and i'm glad to see him with this opportunity well big manager buff for the team then big manager buff that's awesome that's awesome insight I, really, I, really good gamer. Really, really good guy. Like, I, I could talk for an hour about how he's talented. <laughs> well, please like, don't, because guys. we do have other news items to get to. Oh, True. apologies. Oh, we have a guest. Sorry. Oh, yeah, we have our VIP here. <laughs> yes, yes. Let's move forward. Let's move forward. Uh, so we've gone from some contenders roster reveals. Let's move on to some rookies who are moving up into Overwatch League. Uh, we are going to start with the Paris Eternal uh, and Dove, who has been picked up, who's... Moving in, I mean, Glister gets uh, gets dropped from this roster, and Dove moves in to fill that slot. Uh, a strong player, you know, that we've we've seen in the Path to Pro system for quite some time. 
Uh, I remember Dove and Dynasty moving on to Uprising Academy back when they were hard stuck trials. And then Dove and Dynasty come in and suddenly they were in gauntlet and had fourth place. That was just the impact that Dove and Dynasty had on a squad that had been struggling throughout the entirety of 2020. Uh, had a good year last year. This one, I mean, this one surprised me. I don't know about y'all friends. Uh, Dove was awesome. I didn't expect this to happen so soon. What I will say, I think, point of clarification, uh, I don't think Glister was dropped. Um, I think my my reading between the lines is that Glister suffered from the, the thing that is quite common in, like, minority Korean teams in NA, where he was just, like, finding it hard, A, being so far away from home, and B, like, having to speak, like, not just with uh, naturalized English speakers, but with people whose second language third language is english as well i think it must have been a very difficult team environment for him not from like a mismanagement point of view but just from the fact that it is difficult to adapt to that kind of situation so uh, i think probably fairly unfortunate here for glister and I, I do wonder if we see him get picked up by one of the uh, one of the eastern region teams i think it's an important soon. distinction yeah i certainly didn't mean dropped as if like suddenly you know like glister was toxic or wasn't performing or any of those sure. things that's that's yeah i probably could have picked better words no and it's an important distinction uh Pummy, I, th- I know you had some some thoughts on this i remember you kind of briefly mentioning something about this before we went on air what are, you, what are your thoughts on this pickup yeah i think does a really good player uh every every two two and two three dps player you know looks up to to the two main players were dove and hydrin from mm-hmm. from this season and i yeah. think speedily in the flex dps role but i'll stick to hit scan because that's what i play but I think Dove has been one of the people who puts in a lot of work. Um, DPS in Overwatch 1 has been known for, like, really long queue times. and But Dove still had, like, 800 games a season played. And Jeez. he was one of those people who who was always grinding and um, who always kept improving. So for that, I have a lot of respect. Like, he never gave breaks. He never, like, gave up or decided to take it easy when Owl teams weren't looking. So I'm glad to for him to get a shot. That's yeah, awesome. Fantastic. I mean, yeah, I, I don't think I was looking particularly at Dove as a as a hit scan pickup, but I think uh, as we've addressed on the podcast before, that might be because I'm more used to looking at like what's happening in EMEA. But yeah, having seen like having then gone back and looked at like some of those performances, I can see why this is a really good pickup for Paris. Well, he wasn't the only one uh, as far as rookies <laughs> moving up in this past week. Uh, we had Thank another. Thank you for the queue up, Jeff. Much appreciated. That's right. Um, Florida Mayhem, a uh, bit of a, a couple of weird choices by Florida Mayhem, but this one, not a weird choice. Uh, this is uh, Rupal moving up basically to uh, replace Kareeb, who's moving into a coaching role. Um, some of this then facilitated the dropping of uh, Adam from the roster as well, which seemed a little weird. And like to my mind, put a bit of a damper on the announcement of this signing because this is like... Uh, I, I was looking at uh, RuPaul, Luke Mino, and um, Landon as like big support player pickups for this season. It's like, oh, you know, RuPaul didn't get a look in, Luke Mino didn't get a look in, and you know, we've at least got one of those picked up now. RuPaul in the Overwatch League and uh, has had his first game even. Yeah, I I remember this is scary for us. This this means we're getting old because I remember like when we were coming like into casting like. Um... Well, at least me and Bulls when we were coming into casting Overwatch at this sort of level. I remember casting Pascal and uh, Slash RuPaul in Tier 3. Mm. Like, what? He's not in the Overwatch League. I think that's absolutely maddening to think yeah. about, right? And all credit to him. I have that feeling yeah. about Wub. I remember casting Wub in, like, Get Good. 
you know it's like <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah no oh anyone that I don't uh, understand roster <laughs> and anyone that plays uh, NA ranked knows how scary RuPaul is and he's always been taken over since he joined um what was it was it like edge gamers and open division and when he played on he was did... good before that he was a who was he at before i think it was like Anteku last year yeah yeah it was Anteku, which turned to edge gamers when they went yeah. through a d but uh he's always been really good and what i'm more surprised to see is like the drop of adam i think going yeah. into going into the season everyone kind of the talk was that everyone knew someone was like a potential rookie of the year candidate yeah and he could play every tank and it was like known that adam had moved like I think Adam knew he was getting no playtime throughout the season and he had moved on to the coaching role. That was like the the consensus. So it's weird that they're bringing in Kariv, shifting him to the coaching role, not Adam, who was like allegedly already there. Um, yeah, so. it's. It, it, I would love a little more clarity. I know that uh, Albert Yeah put out something to the effect of like, oh yeah, we goofed with with the announcement and like this is the actual thought behind it but it still doesn't really explain an awful lot about why that decision was made and this is the second time this has happened to adam it granted it's slightly different circumstances than what happened with the valiant but like man that guy can't catch a break yeah Seriously. i, I, I want to point like, i think it's really weird that they picked up adam because i feel like when you pick up someone when you when you choose like someone comparative to Callan, right? So when you pick mm. Callan, you know you're going to get a really strong man, like a really strong Winston, you know he's quite aggressive. When you pick someone, you know you've got a flex, one of the most flexible Korean men tanks, or tanks in general, right? Because mm. someone I think is one of the only two Korean man tanks I've just seen, oh, I'm going to pick Reinhardt this round. Mm. Like, that's usually not something that happens over there. But we've also seen someone play Diva uh, in, like, scrims and stuff in the past, right? So... We knew that someone was capable of starting every single game for Florida, so why did they pick up a second tank? It doesn't really make sense to me. Yeah, I think there's an argument to be made about, like, you want the backup in case something happens, and now they, they don't have that. Um, and I guess they're just banking on being able to either maintain or improve that quality over the course of the season. Just want to dip back very quickly to, to RuPaul. Like, uh, when you look at the teams he's been on, like, it's, it's a real who's who of uh, NA... Uh, tier two is in order and take kratos revival noble dice wisp redbird and now florida mayhem yeah yeah that's a that's a lot of big names as far as the contender yeah, scene yeah. goes and he he first won it with revival if i remember correctly which one contenders with revival yeah, yeah. That, that was in the list yeah yeah that's the early 20 uh early 20, oh, it was the first season, early 2021 yeah yeah because that's when they they beat america tornado on the roster the Rush yeah. Bible team, yeah. That was the Rush yeah. Bible team with Cloudy. Yeah. 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 yeah RuPaul's really good at Baptiste. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's 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 drag this kicking and screaming forwards. We do have like the actual interview portion of this to get to. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> get it together. Get uh, Come on, um, team. It's uh, probably just my fault, to be honest, man. It, 100% <laughs> it is. <laughs> it is. If you look at the run of show, it oh, says right here <laughs> in this thing, it's your fault, Ethan. That's that's what it says uh, uh, on anyways, the run of so show. We've, we've done a bit of talking about Korea. We've done a bit of talking about North America. It's time to move over to uh, Europe, Middle East, and Africa. Uh, so we, we had some OD last weekend, and um, we had some stream difficulties. So me, me and Jeff were sitting in the call. We were watching uh, Logix's stream uh, while we were doing it. We were watching Logix's stream, watching some Pep's gameplay. And he has uploaded 
those vods actually um from od with communication now i remember watching these games i want to talk about logics because i was saying to jeff there during during uh when we were watching these logic still has it he's still a oh, very yeah. very talented player because he was so switched on in game every he was he was getting things a second 1.2 seconds before his before his teammates where he was switched on he was sharp and he was actually getting kills he was making clutch moments happen there was a moment in i remember last royal invitational against dice where he turned things around he had a moment here in od against oh who was it against uh, tra- uh, it was against goats. It was against goats on Ilio's lighthouse. He was on tracer, and just randomly killed three. Like he's got so much clutch potential. He's so switched on in game, and his communication was was not what I expected it to be. It was really really good. So these vaults, something to go learn from. It's a it's a real shame that like Logic's last showing was with Toronto Defiant, where he was he was their Symmetra specialist, <laughs> <laughs> which like. If you know anything about logics, that is such a weird position to be in. Um, yeah, who knows? Maybe maybe he'll get another look in with the advent of Overwatch 2. Yeah, I actually, um, the day that the OD finals was going on, it was later in the day for NA, so I got to catch the end of his stream when I had woken up. And I, I caught the uh, the Legion Tower in the Junkertown. And on Junkertown, uh, it was just one of those, you know, those hit scan performances where you're like, yeah, this guy's carrying the team. <laughs> you know, that that's what makes you think that DPS has the most impact. Uh, it was it was just really great to watch him, like look like him old his old self. Yeah, uh, well, the... uh, kind of kind of a real shame the way that the the Overwatch League failed to utilize him. And I think uh, for me, really fun was watching Logic's response to um, KDJ KDG being fired from uh toronto defiant oh that was spicy which it was very spicy it was like you know thank thank fuck he's finally gone which makes me think there was <laughs> at the very some tension there and maybe getting a little bit fed that up meant they were best buddies actually what happened was phil i think you're misinformed is oh. um logics was upset that kerry g kept working in the overwatch league so what happened was he was really upset that he took on another year of his contract he mm-hmm. wanted to get fired sooner so they could have uh, barbecues every weekend oh Okay. Uh, oh, good to know. Actual, actual information right there. Definitely, definitely, what happens. That is totally sure. what happened. Don't, don't know. No. Yeah. Um, okay. One, one final news item here. Actually, we got two final news we items. Yeah, we shoehorned one, one in. in. Yeah, we. Oh, I should probably talk in. about this one. <laughs> yeah, uh, let's, let's do this one first and, and shoehorn yeah. in the the last minute news item. Um, SNHU offering a summer camp. Um, that being for I believe high school players uh, in particular. Yeah, 12 uh, so, to 17 is the age yeah. range on this. Yes, yeah, so SNHU, um, uh, South, there we go, South New Hampshire University. I was struggling to come up with the acronym. Not one of our most like forward-facing collegiate organizations, but a great opportunity if you find yourself in that age range in that particular part of the country. Um, seems like a great opportunity. There's the button. Click to register. We will make a point of retweeting this after the episode so that you can go and find that a little more easily but ethan please bring up our final news item i just wanted a quick point on this um because it's not so much about the the reputation of the school or how notorious mm-hmm. the school is but the fact that this is starting to become a thing i think yeah i mean we've oh, yeah. seen yeah. we've seen traditional athletics camps i mean you know 
through the, for the past 40, 50 years, you go to you go to football camp or you go to basketball camp or whatever the case may be. Sure. But the fact that esports camps are actually starting to become a thing, I think, is a really good sign for the academic phase of esports and how this is starting to grow. Uh, I mean, and this is full on like nine to five, where you've got like a wow. school session. Uh, you know, you play some dodgeball or do some team building stuff. Then you actually have some scrims, and they're doing a tournament which will be streamed for the final day of the camp. Yeah. Um, and this is for each type. So you'll have one week long. This will all be for uh, Valorant for the first week. We'll have this whole thing will be all focused on Valorant. The second week will be all focused on Overwatch. Third week will all be focused on League. So it's, I mean, it's a really cool deal. Like that's, I just love to see more of this. This is the, this is another sign that esports is really starting to grow in the academic sphere. So that's that's all I had. I just all I wanted to add. We can move forward. Uh, okay, so we're moving on. Uh, tell me when you got the tweet on stream because I can't see the, the feeds. Uh, I'm ready to go when you are. I'll go off your... Okay, thank you. Thank you. All right. So uh, a member in our Overwatch community who I've worked with very, very closely uh, has unfortunately been screwed over by an Iron Line. It happens to us in the Europe a lot, all right? And probably happens to everyone a lot, but it seems to be happening to us all the time. Um, As unfortunately, I lost out on a bit of money uh, because I got screwed over by an Iron Line. And I I take blame for this because... um, so yeah, Whistle was over uh, in Cy- Cyprus uh, visiting um, his partner over over there, uh, and they they met on one of one of my rosters. They, oh, I well, see. Gen- genuinely, they're a head coach and manager, and I was like, the next week they're going, uh, yeah, we're we're dead, and I'm like, fuck, brilliant. Oh, they they still <laughs> did their work. They were very very professional, uh, very 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 great individuals. Um, Whistle's a great member of the scene, so if you can help him out, he's doing some one-on-one coaching sessions and some scrim coaching sessions for a little bit of dosh to help him out uh, with the costs of that unfortunate fucking over of the flights. See, even when you said, oh, like, I, I, I kind of slightly take the blame for this, I thought you were going to say, like, you'd, I don't know, you'd given him... <laughs> I got rid of an airline. <laughs> like, I don't know, you'd given him the wrong time to catch a train or to catch a flight. <laughs> no, 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 it wasn't, no. It was just indirectly my fault. Okay, okay. Well, indirectly. execution. Uh, I mean, also, uh, he goes on to say that uh, team VODs are the same price as one-on-ones, so... Oh, I'll get Yeah. Yeah, seriously, for for twenty bucks, one on ones for ten bucks, scrim coaching for twenty, like yeah, worth it, worth it. Go show some love to to Coach Whistle. Uh, just uh, before we move into the main topic, we're not going to do a rookie watch this week because we thought it was unfair to spring that on Pummy. And also, there's only been like two days of games, so yeah, they were off last one. week, so it kind of aligned. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, except that Hydron kind of kind of fox on uh, on Sojourn. That was fun to watch. Keep it keep um, it in the bank. We'll do it. We'll do it next yeah, Friday. Next so time, next time. Uh, uh, in which case, we we've already introduced Pummy. We've already heard from him a little bit. Let's move into like the the main meat of this topic here. So Pummy, thank you again for coming and joining us today. Um, could you tell us a little bit about GeForce and like how that got started and how you got involved, maybe? Yeah. So GeForce started at the um, just over or just under a year ago, and it was started as a project team by our coach Micro, who had um, Strider, Madeira, and Ultima Web. He had those three players and wanted to build a team around him because he knew the potential of uh, Strider, Ball, Madeira, Zen, and Ultima Tracer. So he knew that he had three strong building points, and it was about like finding three others that would fit well into the slot. And um, I'd say for 
I had been playing a lot of tier three, so I I had gotten a trial. Uh, Magic Maple had also been playing a lot of tier three, so he was um one of the trials as well. But the real like surprise to everyone was anyhow. This was his mm. first team that he's played on. Uh, this was also his first OD, and he was straight from ranked ladder. Um, like even when I was trying my first trial block with him, like I had never even heard of his name before. Um, no one else had, so we were all like, "Oh, who is this guy?" You know. We didn't really have high expectations because people that aren't around are usually uh, are inexperienced and not very good. So he was like the biggest surprise when building GeForce, and I think like one of the big factors of why we did so well too. That's that's insane. I didn't know he was that inexperienced. I, I assumed like I just missed a team or had forgotten. I I didn't realize that anyhow was that because he came in and slapped. Like he seemed to be an anchor point of the the style for G Force as well. That off tank position has so much responsibility uh, when you're the only you're the only boots on the ground, uh, so to speak, to protect the back line, to peel, to provide frontline pressure at the same time. Like that's I, I do not envy that position um, as someone who typically plays main tank. I don't envy that position of an off tank in that in that ball composition. So that's a lot of trust to go into somebody who who is relatively inexperienced. And and I'm sorry, holy shit! Anyhow, pounded. I mean, especially through OD, straight up. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, jumping to OD. I think my my two like standout players from our team was I think Ultima the last three maps of our finals, which just went absolutely crazy. Yeah. Uh, and, and anyhow, also played extremely well. So those are my two MVPs from OD jumping ahead. But um, one thing I will say is that like going into the creation of GeForce, uh, I was mentioning that we had Strider and Ball, Ultima Tracer, Madeira, Zen, even Magic Maple, uh, Brig, and then anyhow, it was comfortable on both Sigma and Diva. But I was kind of the odd man out because I had played almost no Sombra going into that. And it was really like hard for me because... I was going into a team where everyone was basically like on their on their strongest hero, and here I was learning a new hero. Granted, like no one else in NA tier three even knew how to play Sombra, so I was like, I wasn't like too far behind anyone else, but I was certainly like at points like the anchor of the team and and bring them down. So um, it made my job easier getting getting better because I had a great team to work around. But it was something that like I guess I struggled with at the beginning of G Force. And I wonder how how it was coming in from you know you're you're a hit scan generalist like you know you can play everything in that role. How is it being that little bit more like restricted? Isn't the right word, but like you know the, there is a G four style because you're playing specifically to the strengths of these players. How was it making like, other than learning Sombra? How was it flexing into this position where you didn't flex? If that made any kind of sense. Yeah, it was more like understanding your position within ball comp and i think that it took a while for me to realize like how valuable um like knowing both sombra and ash was i think it was in the last ride invitational versus bear claw whereas first to two in our last map was hollywood um they had to sub in their their dps which was bun on sombra and then haven on all long range hit scans and so we knew what they were going to run um but i think the last map is like when i played both sombra and ash and i realized like hey, this was actually pretty valuable that I could play both of these heroes, you know, and change in the middle of a map. And we were able to to win that match. And so I think it was very valuable to, like, find my place within the team, yeah, um, not just on Sombra. And I think that 
what you learn there um, will we'll come back to benefit you once we start talking about open division and the competition last mm-hmm. weekend. Uh, that that seems to really come into play, but I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. Um, yeah, so not, not quite yet. <laughs> we're not quite there yet. I, I, I'm just teasing. All right, I'm just teasing a little bit. Um, but it's such a cool point. Um, one thing I wanted wanted to ask about is what was what was the energy like? What was what was the atmosphere like on GeForce, particularly in those early days where everybody's kind of getting to know each other? How because you seem very comfortable and there's a lot of synergy eight months later um back in you know back in the end of 2021 what was that atmosphere like who who do you think really helped you to kind of feel feel comfortable on the squad and feel comfortable making making those uh stepping out of your comfort zone a little bit yeah so when we had started the team um there's a lot of like growing pains i guess but one of our first few regular scrims we had was uh, a warm-up for a trials team which was drifters and since we were warming them up they always wanted to play like their maps and they had us play ball tracer sombra against them because that was what they thought they were going to play against so we were actually forced to play the sombra comp a little bit or a lot i guess the first week i remember that very vividly and that's really when uh i was forced to learn it and as we moved through our first few tournaments we got like we got beaten by a lot of double shield and anti-ball comps because teams were like, oh, they have a ball. Let's just go Arisa Sigma, Torp, Cassidy, (laughs) and counter him. And that worked on us for a while. But then once everyone starts doing that, we ended up getting so much practice against it, which I guess foreshadows OD, that it didn't really become a counter comp anymore. Hmm. And um, a large part of what helped me personally was, I think, micro, and especially like in the early... It was funny because at the very beginning, Micro helped me a lot. And then uh, he got busy with a lot of school stuff towards the middle of GeForce. And then we'll touch on this later. But after we lost to SBU, he helped me a lot. What uh, If you had to to sum up Micro's style uh, in a couple sentences, what uh, what what is Micro's style of coaching? Uh, no pun intended, but micro coaching. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so... There, there was like some some small stuff that he would mention like if i was on sombra and we knew the other team had emp but i didn't and we'd have a support ult i would just sit on my back line like holding the hack and i ended up getting a lot of uh, hacked emps uh, hmm. just because i would sit on our back line and hold the hack so by the time they uncloak and cast emp it would get hacked out of this i think one of like the the most like memorable ones is versus roadhog reds again on blizzard world of the quest line where uh, I hacked Cyrus out of EMP. Oh, I don't think I have that exact moment. I do have some footage oh, from shit. that. I know, I know, I, did, I don't have that exact moment pulled up. I dare you, Scott. You should have every single moment from Pummy's career ready to go, <laughs> locked in your brain. <laughs> Fucking embarrassing. I'm working with amateurs here. Oh, uh, but that's brilliant. Like, you know the manual hack is going to be faster than the EMP. You know what targets they're going to be going for. That's that's brilliant. I, I think that's, that's a wonderful insight into macro okay. style and... And kind of telling micro stuff. I think I said macro, coincidentally enough. Uh, but kind of guiding you in that way. That's that's pretty cool. It's always hard for, you know, we're a bunch of casters here. And it's uh, it can be difficult to determine a player's style. It is exponentially more so trying to determine what kind of impact a coach has. So I just, I just find that fascinating. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's an unnoticed part of, especially like tier three and tier two. Tier, uh, Overwatch League, you know, you know, you kind of know what you're getting. There's a lot of player interviews about what coaches are doing, but almost nothing in tier three and tier two. 
Well, it's a good thing we have Mount Five to do that now, right? Yeah, you know? so. <laughs> now uh, we know. There, there you go. Just pat yourself on the back, there, Russian. That's a. We try. I've put a gust on the back. It's, I was yeah. giving you a pat on the back as well. Yeah, no, we try. We try. We take a wash. No, it is, it is all pummy. That's who deserves it. That's who deserves <laughs> the pat on the back. So, it's all pummy. So, so pummy, we've we've spoken a little bit, in fact, at length about the fact that you guys have uh, conquered OD and you came out on top of that one. Um, but it's the it's the latest in a long line of successes for you in GeForce, like thinking back to things like latency, quest line. That's a lot ride, of gold. Very black. Yeah, in fact, there we've we've got it up on screen. Um. I mean, I don't have a specific question about this, really, just to bring it up and say, like, that's that's quite an accolade for uh, for eight or just under a year, I think you said now, of, of, of being together. Like, was this what you were expecting when you joined with this team, or has this been, like, a very pleasant surprise for you? Uh, initially, when I joined, like, I didn't really know what I was going to do if I didn't make this team. Um, who knows? I might have stopped competing. It might have been continued, but I guess we'll never know. But I wasn't really at the top of Tier 3, even. I wasn't like anyone's like clear first pick or like punching into tier two. So sure. when I joined the team, I didn't have a lot of expectations. We had like a lot of inexperienced people with like Strider and anyhow in team environments, but also a lot of like, I guess quote unquote veteran talent with like Ultima and Madero, I guess veteran for tier three. But um, so like, I, I didn't really know what to expect. I was just playing it to have fun. And, and we started to realize that we were getting good. And that's kind of when we, we went on like our long stretch of winning and then we eventually got to got to a point where we were like starting to think about like, damn, it's really unfortunate that there's no contenders right now. Like we've <laughs> yeah. been we this was at the beginning of this year, we're like, we've been dominating tier three for so long and it's it's such a shame that we can't go any higher at points, you know? Uh, but I guess that's part of the game. You just gotta wait it out. Yeah, and I think like the the few times that because you know we've covered GeForce as news items here over the past few months, like every time it's come up that you know GeForce have have won yet another thing, it's been like, oh well, if you look at all of the other rosters currently playing, by and large they are either pickup rosters or you know rosters uh, with a lot of changeover, like Dice Gaming um, throughout the the last eight months, um, and like the consistency that GeForce has had seems like it's been a pretty big part of how you've done what you've done here. And you kind of touched on that just now with saying like, you know, people keep throwing these things against uh, these comps at you as counter comps. Eventually you learn to counter the counter comp. Uh, like from your experience, how, how much of this is like the individual mechanical skill of the players and how much of the fact, how much of it is just the fact that like you guys have been together now for nearly a year and you just know how each other work and how this all fits together. Yeah, a large part of it has been that we know how each other work. A, a lot of teams were put together as pug teams because uh, I don't want to, I don't know for sure, but this is what I'm guessing. It's because they they always like tried to take down GeForce and other top tier three teams, but they never could. And it was much easier to just scrap a roster, put a new one together, and hope it works out. Um, but going back to the point of of individual skill i think that one of the things that really helped us through overwatch one is that everyone knew that strider was really good and some people thought like he was the best on our team by far and they would play to just counter ball but what they didn't realize is that like strider plays he's a ranked player so he plays against everything he knows how to you know play his individual style the best so they kept trying to counter strider but doing that they left like all of us free and they would chase strider and strider would literally just sit afk and and they would chase him around, and so it was free for the rest of us. So, like, some of that actually helped us when they just tried to, like, hard counter a quote-unquote carry, so. 
that's amazing. I mean, it just, yeah, it leaves y'all wide open to come in and, and do whatever you want to do. Uh, it's actually giving up the space that they're trying to desperately protect. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, and about the roster itself. So this is a roster that was the exact same roster up until right before open division. There was, that's unheard of. That's unheard of at the T3 level that you had a zero turnover throughout the months of the off season. And then we had one player got, got picked up in, I mean, it, I don't think, uh, I, I guess I should ask. I'd assume from from what I know that Maple didn't leave because of being dishap or being unhappy with the team or you know displeased with whatever was going on, but just that had a had an opportunity they couldn't say no to. Um, and so Angelic gets brought in right before Open Division, who who had a phenomenal OD, had a, a huge play to shut down the blade there at the very end of the championship like winning fight. Like Angelic seemed to fit in like a like a just absolute charm. I mean, just like a glove. So what? What do you think? What is the reason for that? What is the reason? Uh, so the two-part question, how is this roster able to stay together for so long? What makes y'all just so tight, you know, so congealed that nobody wants to go anywhere? And then have Angelic come in uh, and, and just slot in so easily. You had mentioned this earlier, but we had a lot of success from like our first tournament onwards. And sure. so we all knew that we were the best tier three team by far. We all trusted each other. Um, we all kept enjoying the game and enjoyed competing. So we... We never left or retired. There's no use in leaving to another team because, like I said, Tier 2 wasn't going on at this time. And Makes sense. even then, we were better on Overwatch 1 than a lot of the Tier 2 teams like outside of your Uprising Academy, Redbirds, and, and Wisps. So, uh, and I guess Solaris at the time. So, I mean, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, if you're, everybody's doing well, it's, uh, everybody's happy with the outcomes, the performances, there's no reason to go anywhere. Yeah, and you then just, you just create the best team out of the gate. I mean, just do that. Just create yeah. the best team from the get go. Forehead, easy. Yeah, I guess like the the bad side of the coin is that when we had we were coming up on Overwatch Two beta, we knew that contenders players would get guaranteed access to the beta, and we knew nothing about it. We didn't know if it was going to be a really small beta or what ended up happening, where like almost everyone got in that wanted to get in. Right. Um, so we we told each other like, if you get a sub spot on any of these teams, like just take it like we don't know anything about overwatch we don't know how long the beta is going to run so just take the spot and i think it's a real tragedy that only one of us got a starting position even though we were the best team by far and you saw a lot of players who either hadn't played in a while or were like weren't even winning tournaments get picked up into these spots where we weren't even getting trials for a few of a few of us had gotten sub spots but nothing nothing turned over and this was this was a variety of reasons you see teams building rosters because they had screwed up their trial process so much and their management had so many problems that their their teams couldn't get the best picks you see like g force uh bear claw and death computer we were the top three teams from from tier three and there was dice altior and the drifter spots which did have teams so that's let's say 18 player spots and i think like under five of them are populated by the players from those three teams which is really telling and i think will be really telling in a few months when we see what the bottom contenders looks like 
I have no doubt y'all are going to be very competitive. I mean, despite the the complications of not being able to scrim as much as you'd like, I have no doubt that y'all are going to be extremely competitive in Summer Series. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, and I do. I have one more question um, just about the months leading up to OD before we start talking about Open Division. Uh, and you've mentioned the success of this team and, and how it's contributed to everybody sticking around and, and good morale and, and it builds you know, synergy and trust and everybody's loving it. Was there a particular moment? Was there one tournament or one particular moment wherein it clicked or when it, y'all knew what was that moment uh you knew you've really you've really built something special i think it was after the let me look i'm looking at our liquipedia i think it was after the the all-star brawl which we won 4-2 after um being knocked out of winner's final i think it was to what was the team it was it was gaia so we had been knocked out of winner's final then we came back and won 4-2 in grand finals um, and I think that was like really the moment where we like we knew that we were we were the best by far. But there's also been moments on the other side of the spectrum where like even though we had we were having such great success, uh, I'm trying to think of when it was. I think it was before last ride invitational, uh, or I don't know if it's an invitational, but there were times where it was the opposite side where from the outside we seemed like the best and we kept winning, but there were there were slumps that we went through of like we weren't. You know, maybe winning like single fights a scrim, like less than ten fights a scrim and stuff like that, and uh, we we stuck through it though. That's awesome. I, I think there's a there's a nice segue here because you mentioned uh, the all star brawl falling down into the lower bracket, coming back and kind of getting that revenge. I was thinking about history seen, repeating itself too. Huh? We've just kind of seen that same thing happen here, right? Where like four road by smart brain users down into the lower brackets. And you come back and take that four three. Like, what what is that like as a as a day of games, as a weekend of games to have been like? And I know four zero isn't like granular enough to say like how close the game was, but like to be four zeroed down into the lower bracket and then have to fight in a in a best of like all seven rounds in a best of seven. Like, what's that like as a game day for you? Well, so Saturday was the winners' finals in which we lost four zero and. It's a four zero. It wasn't close. You know, it was a it was a bad showing from us and a good showing from them, obviously. Um, but we, I think there's like a lot of pressure on on us, or at least for me, I can say there's a lot of pressure on me because GeForce was the favorites coming in, and it was our OD to lose. Yeah. And so when you have so much riding on that, I think that kind of caught up to all of us. And you saw them come out with the with the ball comp with Torbjorn in. And that also threw us off guard. We were all trying to do too much. And there's, you know, as we started getting further into the series, I think the first two, uh, the first map was kind of close. Gibraltar was the last fight. Yep. And then we're down 2-0 and we're all starting to freak out, you know, make mistakes, um, get frustrated. So I think that's that's one of the reasons it went so bad so quickly. So then the following day where you've you've come back, what was different about that? Because nominally it's it's the same matchup. It's even technically the same number of, of maps played. And yet, you know, a, a much closer showing with you guys coming out on top. What was the difference there? Yep. So we knew going into into Sunday, which is losers finals and grand finals, we knew that they were gonna run something. We had seen what they were gonna run and we still had full confidence. We knew that like we had at points lost to ourselves, but it was it was a really good counter comp that they had, but um, I do want to give a, another shout out to Micro because the night after we lost Open Division, I think it was at two a.m. EST, Micro had sent probably a few hundred messages and screenshots wow. of 
of how we should play into that comp. And I think a large part of that was uh, me making the swap from Sombra to Hanzo. Yep. And I was talking about like how micro helped me with micro things. And one of those was like Sonic arrowing the flanks where Snozzler was coming from because we all knew Snozzler was the carry of that team and they were playing to set up him. And so that adaptation was was what we what we needed. Yeah, that's huge. Uh, and I was thinking the same thing because uh, not only are you not as vulnerable to the Torb where you weren't able to get as much done as usual with the Sombra, um, but yeah, I mean, Snozzler had a phenomenal day on Saturday. Ocean and I actually cast those winners' finals, um, and and we were we were very surprised because yeah, y'all were the favorites. I I, I thought y'all. Would, Y'all would come in and take the dub on that one, uh, but you know, props props to SBU. They 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 played it smart. They had done their homework, and Snozzler had a had a wonderful day. Um, really, really, definitely gave y'all a lot of problems. But the adaptation on on the day that counted most when y'all came back on Sunday, Snozzler was not lighting up the feed nearly as much, and so it was definitely noticed the Hanzo. And this kind of leads back to what you're talking about with the the flexibility where you had to learn Sombra early in the season. That's when that was the first thing that popped into mind because then you were able to kind of pepper the somber in um when was that just by feel was this was this also coming through from micro or was this one of those moments um like we had talked about prior to last weekend where it was just kind of feel it in the moment because i noticed you you started to pull out the somber as the series went on a little bit more not as much as we saw on saturday but when you did it found success was this just an organic this is the right kind of moment feeling or was this pre-planned so when i started competing with g-force i was more of like a, a traditional hit skin player. Like I played Ash, Hanzo, some Widow. Um, and then I quickly fell into like the Sombra, Sombra one trick. And I think it was really like, it's really nice for me knowing that I didn't end Overwatch 1 as a Sombra one trick. I played a lot of Hanzo in the finals and even some Ash. Um, but we were able to slot the Sombra in um, more when we like were struggling and I didn't know what else to go. I think the Hanzo was uh, by and large like the better pick in most scenarios. And so we just played Sombra based off of feel and and sometimes it even caught them off guard because they were so used to playing against Hanzo. What happens when we instantly swap to Sombra? Can we cheese out a, a fight or a point or or something? But um, being able to end playing something other than Sombra was really nice for me. And it was still a, a tough series. Uh you know, it's like I, Anubis. What the hell happened on Anubis? Y'all had Anubis. <laughs> it was so close. You come yeah. in and pop off with a 3K. I'm like, they've got this. Like, Pummy just took down two with one set of storm arrows in overtime. There's no way SBU come back from this. And somehow they managed to to snatch Anubis away. So, I mean, but it was it was a really close series. It was really exciting to watch. But you guys, you stayed strong. Uh, you come back and, and take the, the last two maps. What to... Tell me what happened there, and how did you turn it around to close out the series on the next two maps? I think y'all went to Lijong and then Junkertown after that, and y'all come in and are able to dominate both. What what happened between Anubis and and Lijong? Because a weaker-minded team, I think, would have fallen apart after Anubis. Y'all kept it together. Yeah, Anubis was really difficult for us because we had had a uh, a great initial offense, and we got we we didn't do so well on defense. That put us into extra rounds. And then on our defense, I'd gotten that 3K on first point. And then some unfortunate stuff happened where we ended up losing that fight still. But then we held on on the second point. So it was still very winnable. We had, we had what, what was it, like two and a half or three minutes? Yeah, yeah, to, y'all had a better time. To, make, yeah. yeah, I think it was two and a half. Yeah, we had two and a half minutes to just cap A for a draw. And we ended up choking that. Um, 
which was really unfortunate. And and we knew like at that point, like this we're, we're, this is our elimination, you know, like so right. going into into Lijing, we were um, so we lost that map. So we had pick. We were really comfortable on Lijing, but um, I remember getting up after Lijing because there was a a break. I remember getting up and walking around and like before that uh, match versus SBU, we had played a four match map or four map match versus HMC. And then before that we had the warm up. So we had been playing Overwatch for, for several hours at that point. And I remember getting up and walking around and just feeling like weak, like just, just exhausted. Sure. And, um, but I, I'm glad we were able to figure it out. We took Li Zhang pretty, pretty well. I think we played well on that. And then Junker Tom was a nail biter. We almost got full health, but happy we managed to come out on top. It was a great it, series. It's interesting as a, as a thing that I don't think we ever really touch on um, is that these are long game days. Like you, know, you, you mentioned you had your warm up and your lower bracket finals and your upper bracket finals. What do you do as a player to like keep yourself focused and energized? Or is it just a case of like you ride what energy you have and then when it runs out, it runs out. Like, what are your what are your coping mechanisms? So I've played a lot of officials in long tournament days, and uh, I usually go off of by fields. But on on our winter final day when we got zero forward, uh, I had drank a lot of caffeine because I thought like you know, caffeine is is good. It'll help you play. You know, it'll help you stay energized. But that ended up like I know anyhow. I would also mentioned that that ended up like freaking them out even more. Like he was almost like too into it. Interesting. And so. Going into Sunday, uh, I just I just have my morning cup of coffee and let it ride me through the day like usual. Maybe who knows that if that helped. <laughs> I actually I have a other thing uh, with with uh, with rosters I work with. Um, I only tell them the you know, like ca- uh, caffeine that you know you can have caffeine just before the last two games. That's fine because if you have them right at the start of the games, right, and it's too much, you're gonna burn out right as the day ends. So it's like a natural thing called caffeine burnout. So, yeah, be careful with that. Oh, that's yeah. some good advice to people like that. Counterpoint. Counterpoint. What? Mainline what? caffeine. Never stop drinking. That also high works, caffeine, but it's not as healthy. sugar beverages, and you'll be fine. No that problems works, at all. But you'd have to never stop. You have to be, like, elite at, like, just, like, fucking chugging it down. Uh, our lawyers have informed me that do not listen to Phil. <laughs> just, just, just... Cowards. <laughs> oh, okay. So that's uh, closing thoughts on that finals and, and y'all in SBU. Um, first off, I have to ask, are they now like a rival? Like after that, does that feel like a rival now uh, for GeForce? Um, and then just any other, any other closing thoughts you have on that winner's final to grand finals matchup in particular before we start talking about open division as a whole. Yeah. Like I mentioned earlier, like it was us bear claw and death computer, the top three teams and death computer has seen like a lot of different phases to it and a lot of different roster moves, but it's always been pretty much the same core or same play style sure. and essence of it. So we've always like played with them a lot. We played against them a lot. You know, they've always been, I, I guess a rival, but I'm not sure what's going to happen in, and next uh, summer series or what's going on, but. Well, uh, that kind of brings us, I want to ask just about the experience of open division across the board. Uh, since it was, you know, G force's first time competing 
in in this tournament. What what were your thoughts? What are the thoughts of the team of how how it went as a whole? Was was there anything you would improve? What did you enjoy about it? Was it a good experience? Was it just plum exhausting and you needed to sleep for a week after it was all done? What what are your thoughts on the tournament overall? So the tournament structure this time worked a little bit differently where you played like one match a game and or one match a day in winners and then two in losers depending on which side you were in. And so this made it for like the first week and a half where like really slow and then all of a sudden it picks up where you're playing, you know, really good teams day after day. Um so I think like compared to Blast OD and the other ODs where it's like a double Elon bracket taking over taking place over two weekends, I think it felt a lot better paced. Um obviously like it, it's every every team wants to win and win like dominantly, but sure. I think to to wish that upon your team is like a little bit silly because that someone's never gonna happen. So I think I'm pretty happy. Um, sure, there's things that change, but uh, we, we, there's no reason to be disappointed about it. Yeah. But aside from winning, uh, it seemed to be a good experience. Um, and uh, yeah, the, the pacing that makes a lot of sense. Like it seems like that's that's high octane for two weekends just to run through a full double elim bracket like that. So, uh, uh, forgive me if. Uh, I don't mean to ask you to repeat yourself or anything of that nature. I don't want to beat a dead horse, but I just find it fascinating to get a player's point of view of what it's like going through one of these tournaments, especially with the format changes. And this course, this will lead into our conversation about summer series and that format as well. But I figure, you know, starting with OD, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it sounds like it was a good experience overall. Yeah, yeah, we we enjoyed it. It was our first OD as a team. We were finally thankful to be able to to play an OD as G Force because that was the that was right. the point of GeForce at the start eight months ago, was to play, was to do Path to Pro, not compete in smaller side tournaments. Sure. Well, that's absolutely mental. Eight months and I didn't get to play Path to Pro until now. <laughs> that is a long time. Hey, you know what? The the patience and preparation paid off. Uh, that was a yeah, long time. You know, so, yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. All right. So let's, let's get into a little bit more spicy topic. Summer Series. Path to Pro. There's a, a bit to unpack here. Um, I mean, where do we start? Oh my, where where do we even start oh. with this one? Uh, let's let's start with talking about the access to the beta. Um, I think that's a good place to start because we're talking about practice and leading into summer series. Uh, you, we've we've already touched on the fact that y'all don't get access right away. What's what's the story with that? What was the team? What were the team's expectations? <laughs> versus what was reality as far as getting access to the beta and being able to practice for summer series. We hadn't put much thought into to what practice for summer series was going to look like. We knew that we could win OD. Like we were one of the contenders. Like we were like okay, Overwatch 2 beta is over. Let's go really hard in Overwatch one la- one last time. And we were scrimming, you know, 20 hours a week or practicing 20 hours a week. Right. So then now that we're done with that, okay, we've won OD next goal is to is to win summer summer series so it's like okay well let's let's go just as hard but it's like oh we don't even choose when we can scrim we don't choose how much we can scrim it's only the the eight contenders teams that have loaner accounts that they can give to us to scrim so if we're only getting three to four blocks a week which i mentioned earlier which just is is not as much as it was in overwatch one and we're being and since we spent the last four weeks to a month, you know, a month grinding Overwatch 1 while these teams were grinding Overwatch 2, we're already put behind. You know, we put all of our time into Overwatch 1 because we knew we could win that. 
and by doing that, we knew that we would fall behind in Overwatch 2. But now we're here and we're still falling behind because we, we now want to dedicate all of our practice to it, but we just can't because there's we don't have um, Overwatch 2 accounts. Has there been yeah, any I mean, word I... on when y'all will get full access? Is it just you have to wait till October 28th or June 28th, I mean, like the rest yeah. of us? Yeah. I think so. I think we're like the only positive thing is we're, we're like guaranteed access to the beta. I don't know how true that is. Um, but you saw recently that like you could buy the the founders edition or the watchpoint edition or whatever and guarantee beta. So that's not like too much of a of a perk. And I think there's also something about the um the Path to Pro admin saying that round of sixty four and round of thirty two would be played on the beta, then rounds after that will be played on OPR. So we don't have OPR accounts, we haven't heard anything, we don't know when we're gonna get these accounts, we don't know what patch we're on. You know, beta's gonna have Junker Queen in it. So does that mean like all of the practice we're doing right now, like what happens if Junker Queen's just insanely OP and she becomes a must pick? Yeah. Like, yeah, you know, is this practice, this practice is still useful because it's 5v5, new maps, new game mode, but what's what's that gonna look like? Not to mention the new map uh, as far as uh, Rio de Janeiro. Yeah, uh, so what and, will that that be total like five or six new maps? Yeah, and is is, is that map going to even be played in summer series? Is that one that's going to be yeah. in rotation? You know, like that seems like a giant question mark. Hopefully, we get answers to that on Tuesday. Yeah, uh, hopefully, hopefully. Um, okay, so for anybody out there who doesn't know, like I know we've we've had some of your teammates popping in and out, and some other uh, players who are in the know. But for those who don't know, what's the biggest difference between just playing on beta and playing on OPR? What makes that such a big deal? So because OPR was more for OWL players this time around, usually um, in Overwatch 1, the OPR would, wouldn't wouldn't change patch till a tournament's over. And sometimes the live patch was different from what uh, Overwatch League was playing in even contenders. But since now uh, OPR is only used for Overwatch League, that OPR is it's just Overwatch League patch. So up until a week ago, it was on the super strong soldier patch. And now we're on the one that's being played live. But one thing I will say is that we mentioned earlier about picks, uh, midseason pickups like Dove and RuPaul. Yeah. Those players were able to get into Overwatch League and fulfill those, those I guess, 30-day contracts or whatever they're on because they had gotten the time to practice on the OPR and Overwatch 2. Yeah. Um, but I see why they left it up for that. But then what happens to the players that need to f like fill those spots? Now there's two spots left. And if Tier 3 hasn't been getting any OPR access... To fill those spots, tier two just becomes smaller and smaller, and like uh, there's there's less talent overall. Yeah, I, I think I mentioned earlier that like we're looking at this as it's a it's a transition season where I don't think any of the people making the decisions necessarily knew what we were going to have to to play with and to offer players, and so like it it really sucks to say well you know we've just got to we've got to like it and lump it we've got to do this season and then things will be better the next season but like. Yes. How many people have missed opportunities because they haven't had this? How many people have retired because they didn't have access to uh, Overwatch 2 and they couldn't scrim and they couldn't practice and therefore when it came to like doing a trial for an Overwatch League team, maybe they weren't even considered for it. You know, um, I, I, I don't want to put words in the guy's mouth. Like he was fairly clear about his like his attitude and his feelings towards the game. But like Petal is a player that we should have been looking at and discussing with regards to that pit scan DPS spot for Paris. But he didn't get 
access to Overwatch 2 to, to do the level of scrimming that you need to put on a performance that demonstrates your capacity to an Overwatch League team. And maybe that's why we've lost the guy, or at the very least, maybe that's part of the reason why the scene has lost such a talented player. I think that was also the case with Wub, funnily enough. Um, yeah. I think he, he was a vocal component about not getting Overwatch 2 time, and the players who were in contenders were, were already two months behind Owl. And a lot of the time, since it's a new game, and Overwatch League teams are like finding out that their roster isn't working or their players don't want to continue playing, that they're having to fill these spots, and the the contenders' talent is weaker now because they didn't they started two months behind. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's an unfortunate situation, and like, uh, there's not really much more we can do other than say, yeah, it sucks because it's yeah. so far beyond any control. We just gotta hope that we get over this rocky patch and things get a little easier. Yeah, exactly. Hopefully, this is just a one-time growing pains of making that adjustment and. It, we don't have to deal with it again for the fall tournament, whatever that may look like. Uh, yeah, I mean, fingers crossed. Huffing as much hoping as we can on that one, I think. Um, talking about f- format overall or in teams going into this, what are, uh, do you have any other thoughts or something that you think would improve um, the, the summer series coming up? Yeah, we're told that it's so it's it's a single elim till top eight, and then top eight's a double elim bracket so similar to every other contenders for the top eight at least but because we seeded first and open division that means we're going to be behind the eight contenders team so we're going to get the ninth seed so who does that mean that we play later in the bracket do we play the first seed since we're the ninth or do we play the eighth seed because we're going to have to You'll the point the is eight. we have to yeah. we have to beat a contenders team to yeah. be in that top eight so we're still not sure how that how that works who we're going to play and um, even because the the eight contender teams are seeded off of their performance from when November October, yeah, and well, those those rosters ago. look look very different from what they did uh, then. So in in a few months when seeding comes out, or a few weeks when we see seeding comes out, who knows? It may have been it may have been better to be tenth seed than ninth. That may come back to bite us, or it might have been better to be eleventh than tenth. So. That's a that's a flaw, I think. Yeah. Do you have a feeling, Pummy, based on the admittedly limited scrim time that you've had, of what the level of competition is going to be like for those uh, tier two teams coming into the summer series? Yeah, I think it's going to be a a big shock to to a lot of the tier two teams because a lot of tier two teams are a lot, are used to having bad uh, bad performances, but being locked in contenders for two seasons mm. and then trials the next. So that's three seasons that they're like locked in no matter how bad they do. And I think this is a better format because if you aren't good, you get kicked out instantly. Yeah. Um, but that can also have its negative size where it's like, okay, you have a good team that has a bad meta or a player has an issue and suddenly they're not able to play, like they get kicked out. Um, but I think a lot of quote unquote tier two teams are gonna are gonna realize that they're not so good. Okay. Interesting. Interesting, uh, kind of speaking of, there's a, we got Aqua in chat. He talks about Blizzard say, you know, they changed the format so that they can prevent gatekeeping, but now only tier two teams get to determine scrims. So it's kind of just yeah. an interesting note. I thought it was worth bringing up. Uh, yeah. It's, it's uh, it makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. And you know what? Pummy, I bet you're right. Like I said, I, I fully anticipate to y'all be extremely competitive, especially after you've gotten chance to get comfortable and kind of, your style adjusted 
uh, into Overwatch 2. Um, without giving too much away, do you do you anticipate running a similar style with GeForce, or do you think y'all are going to have to reinvent yourselves moving into the new game? Um, I've said this before, but we don't have a lot of practice time on Overwatch 2. Sure. We're still figuring out you know, who's good on what hero, who do we want to run on what map, what kind of comp we want to play. And who knows, this might be all for none, because when Junker Queen comes out, or the next beta, I'm assuming the next beta is going to come with not only a new hero, but balance changes that's going to shift the meta. Mm. Who knows, we might get another rework. Like, they were talking about the Moira rework, they did say something about Junker yeah. and Symmetra. So it's likely we're going to see a lot of patches, or a lot of balance changes, a new hero, and possibly a reworked hero. So... We don't even know what that what that's gonna look like. Maybe maybe it'll fit our style, maybe we'll have to change something, maybe you know, there's a lot of questions. And that just kind of brings us back to the, the square one problem, huh? Yeah. Uh. Well, that to me guys looks like we've cleared everything off our agenda. Unless probably there's anything that we've we've not covered that you wanna talk about. No, I mean I just wanna 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 thank the people who have stuck around the scene for so long, it's been kind of dry, especially you, you three who have been casting your games and, and following along. So, Man, We, we yeah. really appreciate you taking the time to come Thank talk you. with us. Yeah. Um, Much appreciated. Yeah. No, yeah, this has been it's awesome. Been, it's, yeah, it's been really interesting. Um, I think probably one of my, my favorite episodes so far. It's Absolutely. Been, uh, really, really cool to hear about. Um, and that brings us unceremoniously to the end of the podcast and, of course, to Tier 2 tweet of the week we actually have two really strong contenders this one and i'm not 100 percent sure which one jeff has queued up here uh so, <laughs> I've, I've got them both available i think i think we got to show them both i think i think it's a tie i think we, we were split okay. on which ones uh we, we thought should take this but uh we're i'm going to start with uh with Anj or aj okay. or however you pronounce this uh apologies uh but What's what I will not apologize for is this epic moonwalk. It's Ange plus alcohol equals epic moonwalk. Right there, this is this is the content we need more of in T two. Yeah. Uh, honestly, just just show it some personality, show it some style, and uh, well, a pretty fantastic moonwalk. I can't do that. Like, no, I can't. Round of applause. Round of applause. Yeah. This is Skills fantastic. In the game and out the game. Uh, the other one I think is actually a beautiful note to end on. Uh, those of you that have been watching since the beginning may remember that we had Coach Wheats on, I guess, and uh, Touching Grass was a mistake. Uh, what a happy-looking guy. What a vivid sunburn. <laughs> oh, our very first guest here, <laughs> Red as a Lobster. <laughs> oh, yep. Right. That's good stuff. On, on which note, everybody, thank you very much for watching. Pummy, thank you again for being seriously, here. It's been seriously. an absolute pleasure. Looking forward to seeing what GeForce can do in the Summer Series and whatever other Tier 3, Tier 2 events we have coming up. Um, where can people find you if you've got a stream or, or we've got your Twitter handle in the box already? Anything yeah, you want to plug? I don't, I don't stream much. I, I don't really use Twitter either, but oh, I have wow. a Twitter. It's at PomeoW, but I guess I want to give a few shout-outs to, yeah, to GeForce and uh, especially our manager, Aosis. I think a lot of people don't really understand what makes a good manager good and a bad manager bad, or rather, like they don't know much about managing uh, the scene. But Aosis has definitely been like a big part of our team since since day one. So big shout out to him. Awesome, wonderful. 
Well, thank you very much again, Pummy. Uh, thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Ethan, for joining. I was going to say joining me like it's my podcast. Thank you for being here with me. <laughs> thank you for thank having you, us, Phil. Yeah. Um, those... Am I allowed <laughs> to come you... back next week? We'll uh, see. We, we've got to have a performance review first, so we'll make a decision around Wednesday. Um, for those of you wondering where Billy is today, uh, Billy is in good health. He was just busy casting for EGF Nationals. Uh, hopefully, he'll be back next week, uh, as will we as will we, and uh, thank you as always to Glitch for letting us use her remix of the King's Row theme in our opening music. Thank you everyone for tuning in. We'll be back next week with more from Tier 2 and beyond.